Hello and welcome to The Inner Gamer, episode 226. We are the video game source for you, the casual gamer. My name is Brett Yanoski. I'm Austin Morales, and this week on The Inner Gamer Podcast, Brett jumps into Forza Horizon 4. Yes. Yes, I do. On his Xbox One, which is insane. And I jump back into AC Odyssey and try out the user-created missions and had a good time with it. We, we talk a lot about EA, CEO, and other executives giving up their cash bonus, which is very mind-blowing. And Epic's Game Boss defends PC exclusive strategies. That is, uh, there's a lot of stuff to talk about in the news. We have, we have deep, deep conversations. That and much, much more. And in the news discussion, we talk about Treyarch's trouble development and poor conditions for contractors. Our boy over at Kotaku, Jason Swire. Schreier. Schreier. What did I say? He said Schreier. Schreier. I slurred my you words. You said something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. He dives deep into Treyarch and, and how all the conditions, a lot of people have been coming about saying that they haven't been treated well. But is that really the case? We'll talk about that here. And I'm going to cue the music this time, Brett. All right, <laughs> Brett, cue the music. No, 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 don't no, no, touch that button. <laughs> It is July 2nd, 2019. Whoa. Welcome what? to the Inner Gamer Podcast and welcome to the month of Independence Day. The month in which we celebrate and shoot off fireworks and blow things up. And make badass food on the grills. On the grills. I'm, All I'm the ready. foodie things on the grills. You know what, Brett? What? I just kind of got into... Uh, Somehow I got some guy making this really badass burger and it spurred me into like looking up all of these different people who are making badass like food on the grill. I got some shit to make. What are you making? There's like this little chicken, little fried chicken thing wrapped in dough that I don't it's I don't even know what you call it. I forgot what it's called. If you can see my face right now, it looks very puzzled. So you you get the chicken and you cook it and then you chop it up, you put some stuff in it and then you Put it in this dough and you roll it up and then you fry it. But you don't fry on a grill. Well, no, you grill the chicken first and then you oh, cut it and then you fry it. Oh. And it's really good. But it's like a South American dish. Yeah. And this other guy made this hamburger wrap where you put green chili in the middle and then you put a hot dog in the middle and then you roll up this little patty, this like really big patty of, of uh, hamburger meat. Yeah. And then you grill that and then you put it in a bun. And I was like, oh shit. That, yeah. That looks I always good. like stuffing burger with like stuff inside of it. Yeah, and then man. like folding it over. Oh. And then you get like this like like cheesy goodness. Like I made jalapeno popper burgers one time with like a little bit of like oh, cheese stuff and then some yeah. jalapeno slice up oh, inside yeah. and like wrapped it all up and then oh. it just kinda like ooze out the sides once it was all done and cooked. Oh, man, it was so good. So good, man. It was so good. But anyway, if y'all enjoy this podcast <laughs> and want to support uh, our love of food, uh, we'd love for you to donate to make the show better, and we'll give you some goodies along the way. Austin might even send you some uh, smoked meats. You if know? you donate enough, you could probably come to my house at some point in time, and we'll just grill out and have a good time. He'll fly you down here from wherever you are, even okay, if you I live can't. in like Australia. He'll what? fly you over. Okay. He'll fly you here. I will find you the flights for you to buy. <laughs> There you go. He'll send you the link and be like, all right, give me your credit card information. Yeah, I got great. this. Got this. Um, but yeah, no, in all seriousness, if y'all want to donate to help make the show better, we will use that money to go towards actually literally just 
making the show better. So, you know, expanding our, our podcast space, improving our video content, uh, reaching more people for our events. Um, anything we can do to grow and make the events better for our audience would be awesome. So yeah. we'd love for you to go to theinnergamer.net, click that donate button to contribute. Just a dollar a month on Patreon goes so, so far for us. You don't understand. So far. And that reminds me, I want to give a shout out to Luke who donated a dollar a month last week. So he is one of our new patrons. So thank you so much for donating. And thank you for tuning in and playing with us on uh, CFDs last week. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was awesome. We had a blast Man. blowing ships up. And if you want to play games with us, just go over to our Patreon, donate a dollar a month, and join our Discord server. Yep, there you go. That's there it. you go. Also, if you are in the DFW area, come <laughs> check out our next event at Community Brewery. It'll be on July 12th. So uh, as you listen to this podcast, 10 days from now, it's going to be a huge, huge bash. I mean, when I say huge, I mean the biggest effing thing this side of like the biggest thing other than New Year's Day. This, this side of Mexico. This side of Mexico. It'll be bigger than big. That's that's how big it'll Man, be. That's big. It'll be awesome. So y'all should be there. It's in Dallas, Texas, July 12th. Starts at 6 p.m. Be there. Be square. All right. Video games. Let's talk about some video games. So ready, man. I have turned on my Xbox One. Wow. I thought I would never do it again. That's a great story, Brett. <laughs> but I flipped it back on. And Did you quickly flip it back off? No. <laughs> Actually, I've played put in like probably 20 hours into my Xbox One in the last two weeks. Holy. Uh, which is crazy. Where is it? I'm gonna. And it, it works. It actually, <laughs> it works. actually works. It functions. It's been collecting dust, but it functions. Man. The reason for this is last Black Friday, I bought the Ultimate Edition of Forza Horizon Four that was on sale. It's your dream game. Which was normally a hundred dollar game that I got for like forty bucks. Dang. So it came Dude. with all the DLCs. What a steal. And all the thing. Yeah. And it's in a literally a steel case too. <laughs> so it's got all the steel. <laughs> Wait, so is it $100 with all the DLC or is that separate transactions? No, it's all $100 with the DLC. So that would been like so. the Game Pass and everything? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so okay. it includes gotcha. the Game Pass. It includes the Steel case. It includes right. some free. It came with like the Bond car pack that comes ah, into it and like a couple cool. other things. It was all like included. It was just a bunch of shit Man. that was loaded in this system. Like I got, I still have cars that I haven't even downloaded yet that are at, <laughs> that can be added to my collection. That's just there's just so many cars in the game. Yeah. There's like 400 cars in this game, Jeez. and they're all fully modeled inside and outside. Different sounds, different tuning abilities, and different mods you can add physically to the car. It's insane. This game's lost on me, but that sounds like a huge undertaking. Yeah, just to get that right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 quite a bit. So Forza Horizon Four is a game that came out. It came out last year. But I'm going to talk about a couple of the things that's in it because it's been because it's been out for a little bit. They've done a lot of changes and updates to it. But what really shocked me about this thing? Um, Wait, I got I got a question. What is this? The one where you go around and you, there's different seasons and stuff. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. October second, twenty eighteen is when it came out. So it's 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 been a it's been a minute. But um, this is one with different seasons. It takes place in Great Britain. So you are in this open world that's in Britain. There's a part where you can go to. Um, uh, I think it's like Edinburgh, Scotland or something like that. And uh, it's like the only city and the rest of it's just kind of like countrysides and stuff like that. But um, you open up in the game and the premise behind it is you are inside a world um, where 
they basically just let you loose and they say, hey, welcome to the festival because the whole idea around Forza Horizon has always been you're attending a car festival in some really crazy faraway place and your goal is to rise up the ranks in the world of um, in the world of the Horizon Festival circuit. So you start as a newbie and you're given a car to go out and like do races and you compete and get new credits that you can use to buy more cars, to compete in more races, to get better, better money. So there's this whole like progression loop thing that goes through where you're just like buying these cars, running these races, getting more credits and points and all this upgradable stuff to then make everything better and then go do more races in different places. Um, and they they start out where you just have a couple races at a time and the idea is to introduce you to the season mechanic of the game where there is different seasons. So you have fall, winter, summer, and uh, spring. And you start out in the fall and then you race enough races to get enough reputation. So you're collecting reputation by completing races. So people that like you're collecting influence essentially. So people that support you, like you, cheer for you, whatever. And then as you do that, you unlock the next season that allows you to then transition the timeline to uh, summer and then to winter and then to spring. And then after that, once you've done the full circuit of seasons, you're now under the seasons um, of the game itself. So every week, I think, is when it transitions from season to season. So everybody else is playing at the exact same time. So if I jump in the game today, it's going to be a season, and then next week it's going to change to, say, winter. And the next week it's going to change to this. So the whole week of time that you're playing it, you're in a different season or you're in the same season that transitions after that. So everybody globally playing this game is in that same time time zone, um, which is pretty cool. It's a neat, neat, neat added mechanic to the game. I, I wish they did it for like everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what's fascinating about this game, this is, this is an incredibly vast, deep game. There's a lot more cause I played Forza Horizon two, and then I played a little bit of Forza because I have Forza Horizon 3 and I played a little bit of that while I was waiting for Forza Horizon 4 to download. And I jump into Forza Horizon 4 and there are like you have different tracks that you can kind of go down. Um, you can just sit there and race, just race your cars, buy new cars, do all that stuff. That's totally fine. Or if you're really into photography and stuff like that, you can drive around and take cool pictures with your car or you unlock a drone at some point where you can like fly a little drone around and take pictures of like just the scenery and get influence for that. Or you can explore the world and find like these signs throughout the world to run through or run through speed traps and all these different activities to, again, collect experience points. Or there's a part where you can actually... You can mod your cars. So like every car that you have can be modded both from a technical perspective and from a visual perspective. So you can go there and change out your brake type. You can change out your your uh, weight. You can do weight reduction. You can get down to the finite details of like how fast your pistons fire to change your horsepower and your torque for each race like there's all these like minute adjustments you can make or you can just go in there and just select a standard setting and pick a difficulty and you're good to go but then you can also change the design of your car so there's whole people in there there's a whole like system or a store of what they call liveries or liveries or whatever that are basically designs that people have made for a car that you can then download and then rate so there's there's 
Joe Blow out there who was like, I like making designs for cars. So he can go in there and use the editor in the game to layer on different objects and stuff onto cars with different colors and designs and whatnot. You can have like 30 layers on a car and make like basically a wrap for a car and then put it onto the marketplace. So whenever you get a new car as a player, you can either make your own or you can choose from a set of like 30 or 40 top rated designs that other players in the game world have made and you can then rate those those designs and give them kudos and credit for producing this thing that you just used and then they get influence from that as well so like there's all these different ways you can grow and gain influence in this game to level up and progress if you may not be the best racer but want to do these other things within the game itself and i was like damn there's a lot of stuff in here you can even make your own races. So like when you enter into like uh, like a, an event, like maybe you're doing like a cross country event where it requires you to take like a four by four that doesn't go on the main road. It just kind of like goes everywhere up the mountains through the water and all that different stuff. You can either choose the pre-developed event that the game created or you can choose an event that somebody else in the game had created again, which will give influence to those players that made those events or you can create your own custom blueprint design it design like the poster for it inside the game and then create the track plan and like what kind of car needs to be used and all that stuff and then upload it to the system and then new players that come in can then choose your mode instead of the other one it's like every race that you do doesn't have to be the race that it's defined as it can be anything that people have created for that certain category and it's just like insane how much stuff is in this game and uh, there, there's another component to it that I was like, you can race against, like say you have friends that play this game, right? You can choose different types of things you can race against one another. You can either do solo, which is where you race against what's called a drive avatar, which is going to be other players in the world that you're racing against based on the times that they've clocked in on that same race inside the game. So for example, our friends Charlie and Zane have played Forza. Um, so whenever I'm racing, there's a drive avatar for Charlie and a drive avatar for Zane in every race that I do. And I am competing against their times in real time inside this world. And then so if they were to then two weeks from now go jump into this game and play, now they can play against my time. Or you can do like co-op with another friend and join together. Or you can do like against just all human players. Um, there's just all this variety of choice that exists in this game. And it's, it's insane. Like I was blown away with how much depth is inside this thing. That's a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's it like all works great. It yeah, all works awesome. really, really good, and it's exciting. Like you can custom. There's even freaking outfits for your character because you see your character before you start a race, and there's like little emotes that they can do before they like jump into a race, and you can deck him out and make him look cool or she or whoever, and. It's 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 wild, like absolutely wild. But I've had a blast. Like like every car feels different. You can tune the cars a little bit. Like if you realize like your car has a little bit too much, uh, you know, oversteer when it comes around a corner or whatever, you can like adjust it minutely to make it turn better on sharp curves or whatever. Um, and so I'll do that sometimes to like just make some finite adjustments to make my car run a little bit better. Or you can even go in and change the dead zones of your controller. And because like when I first started playing, I was like sucking really bad and realized it's because my dead zone was was too large. So basically what the dead zone is, is like it has pressure sensitive uh, configurations for your controller. So 
if you push it to the right, it'll take a little bit of movement before it actually starts activating the steering of the car to account for like accidental touches. Um, and then so you can set how vast that is. So if you want to make it to where like a really like if you just quickly turn in like the stick all the way 100% to the right, it'll just automatically steer or you can make it to where it's more of a gradual thing. So whenever you do hit it all the way to the right, it doesn't like go immediately to the right. Your car kind of like will gradually transition to that turn. So you can adjust that dead zone based on kind of your play style. So I adjusted, I spent like a good 20 minutes trying to figure out what my optimal like <laughs> like yeah. configuration was, but yeah. that's like the minute details you can do with the, the gameplay and just getting that controller just the way you want it to play. And I was like, wow. And the Xbox One controller, the S version, has like uh, haptic feedback in each control stick, which I didn't realize it had. So I'm sitting there driving in the car and stuff like that, and I'm feeling like vibrations in each each thumbstick individually. And I was like, wow. whoa, this is trippy. Wow. Yeah. That's so, cool. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of stuff to this game, and I was I'm thoroughly impressed. It explains why like it's. I mean, it's still to this day one of the best Forza games ever. And the uh, the Britain setting is really cool. There's a lot of a lot of hills and valleys. There's not a lot of huge mountainscapes and stuff. But with the DLC, they introduce this new level area called Fortune Island, which is a really intense island that has a lot of curves and cliff sides and like intense water and weather and stuff like that. Um, and then obviously weather effects are huge. So like as rain comes down, it gets slippier to drive on the road and stuff like that. Um, but that's a new DLC that really kind of changed how you interact in the world. Um, and then they brought out the Lego one that they announced at E3 this year. And that blew my effing mind. <laughs> I was like, I haven't played enough of it yet to like do a full like review on it. But the fact that they like, I, I, I thought this was silly when they threw this in here. But it's so cool because you have to, to get to the Lego DLC, <clears throat> you have to drive to it in the world. So you have to like drive out to this middle of nowhere, like railroad track zone. And there's a whole story component as to how this came to be. And that once you get out there, you start hearing over the mic of them telling you like, oh, we're at the Lego zone. We'd had this great idea of like, let's expand the festival out. And we thought like Legos are super cool. So let's like get spend a bunch of money and build like real Legos to like give this experience of us like driving in a Lego world and part of the festival. So let's make speed champions like lego festival blah, blah blah and then so they're doing this whole like explanation of how they took this old abandoned train station and then added into it like rebuilt it to be this crazy intense lego park oh so it's like you're driving lego car like actual sized lego cars yes in this giant yes. warehouse. okay yeah well not in a warehouse it's out it's like in a train yard okay. that's like but they they've converted all of it to like create like real life life-size lego pieces that they've stacked on top of each other. So like your walls as you're driving down through a track are Lego pieces. So when you crash into them, it's like Lego pieces go flying and it's like legit particle effects. It just go and your <laughs> car awesome. is like a, you start out with like a uh, Lego version of a mini Cooper. So it's a little British car that you're driving around in and then you can eventually build a house. Cause like in this game, you also have houses that you can purchase that are like your base station to upgrade your car. So there's like, I don't know, 30 or 40 houses you can buy in Great Britain. But then there's also you can build houses in the Lego world. And the house building you do in the Lego world is actually building houses uh, made of Lego bricks. 
in that part of it. So you can like create your house on top of this. They just have like a green flat Lego block. And then you eventually like unlock more pieces to like build up on top of that. And um, like if you have like pine trees or whatever, like the pine trees are Lego pieces. And there's a, at the very intro of it, they have this really intense, awesome, like kind of intro to get you super hyped about it. So they throw you in a car and you're just driving across the coastline. And then there's like, um, you're coming around this uh, bend and you're kind of in the desert, but then the water's off in the distance and there's a Lego UFO that comes flying into the sky and then just crashes down and like Lego pieces go flying everywhere and then cars come zipping by you and then a freaking airplane comes down over top of you that's like a Lego airplane that drops down in front of you and then you have little Lego pieces on the sides that are cheering for you as you're coming into the festival space and it's a whole nother open world map that they created independently of the regular game and i'm just like damn the stuff that they put in here i mean it's probably like 20 hours of content just for this lego world wow and that's just a dlc that they added yeah man that's crazy yeah so forza horizon man yeah that's that's the only reason xbox is existing right now like fuck halo like (laughs) forza is where it's at yeah well they keep fucking that up so yeah in the first week they sold almost 500 Almost yeah, five, almost five hundred million copies. Or sorry, five hundred thousand copies of what? This game. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, that's it almost is good. a million. Or it's halfway to a million. Yeah, I think for a first week sale, that's I would think it'd be lower. Well, for a racing game. Yeah, for especially. A racing game, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's I mean, crazy. It's you know, it's even. Um, and what's what's weird about it too is it's a kind of game that when you get it, it seems very casual, kind of like Need for Speedish, but it's it's not. I mean, it's it's pushing towards a simulation kind of game. It's not as simulation as Forza Motorsport, but this isn't like your arcadey like, you know, like um Cruising USA. Like this is right. There's legit like the weather changes the way your car operates and then their different tires operate differently with like grip on the road and stuff like that. Like all wow. that stuff has been designed and thought of. Um, and it's, it's, it's impressive. And like the Lego ones getting like killer reviews, like people are loving it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the, definitely one of the things that's keeping Xbox alive is this series. (laughs) Thank goodness. They've done some really amazing things and it's on game pass. So you can get it for a (laughs) dollar and like go and play freaking Forza. Wow. Which is crazy. That's kind of crazy. But yeah, 450 cars are in this game over 450. They put so much money in this game. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know how they develop them all. That, seriously, because they're they're seriously. they're detailed. I mean, they're yeah. they're there's no joke. And now it makes me want to go out and buy a freaking Xbox One X just for 4K HDR. Because I can't play. <laughs> oh I can't use 4K HDR right know, now on my TV because I don't have the freaking 4K console. Man, they got you, Brett. They got you good. <sighs> I'm gonna have to figure out how to get my computer hooked up to my P- my PC hooked up to my TV and then run it through that. And I can Whoa. make that happen. Interesting. Yeah, because I got it. I mean, I got I got to play anywhere game, so oh, I can yeah, hook yeah, it up yeah, through true. the PC. Huh. That might work, man. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> so I I got a game. You want, you want to jump in my game? To do it, okay. go for it. I'm done hearing about Forza. You, let's 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 hear about Auto Chess. <laughs> actually, I'm not gonna talk about that. Oh shit! What? Yeah, I know. Actually, I thought of a, you changing on me. I have a better game for you. Okay. I jump back into Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Oh my goodness! I know. I know. So I finally fixed my PC. I got to the point where I couldn't even stream anything. 
uh, it was so choppy. So I got a new motherboard, new CPU, and now everything plays like butter, like butter. So I jumped back into that, and you know we covered in the news that they they had people making missions that you literally did nothing and got XP for. Yeah. And so I, I tried out one of those, and I was like, oh my god, it's worse than I thought. Like I thought there'd be like semi kind of missions where you're like you talk to this, you kill some baddies, and then you know you're in and out, right? No, I went to this place that's kind of like uh you know where they do uh the actors and they have that like. 180 circle that goes up with stairs you sit down at. And so I walk over there where the mission starts. Like a I theater? Talk, yeah, theater. And I talk <laughs> to the lady. Is that what it's called? I thought yeah. it's called something else. No, it's theater. Okay. And I talk to this lady, and she says, like, two words to me, and I say a word to her. Obviously, you know, I, I guess you could pick the camera angles and stuff and mess with the camera because it was, like, a heavy depth of field. But the characters don't say anything, you know, and I guess you can give them expressions if you want to do that. And so she said something and then it's like, go to this other lady over here. So I go talk to her and she does the same thing. I'm like, all right, so go to this third lady. And I was like, all right. So like you're making your way up the theater. So I get to the top. And I talk to this lady and I'm like, all right, where are we going? Like they're saying things, but it's, there's no story yet. So I'm figuring like eventually there's a story going to come into place because you can do dialogue. But I go back to the first lady and it's just like F, like she says F and then I say T and that's it. And I go to the other lady. And every time I talk to these ladies, I'm getting XP. And I'm getting some coin for it, too. I did this like 35 times. And I was like, is this ever end? And I don't think it ends. I think it keeps going. Maybe you go to 50. I don't know. So I was like, okay, I'm done with this mission. Like, I leave the mission. How many times did you level up? Uh, I only got to the next level. Okay. So I was like, as soon as I get level up, I'm just going to stop this mission. So I did. And when I exited, I was like, well, am I going to keep all this mission progress? It's like, yes, you keep all the mission progress. You just don't finish the mission. I was like, holy shit. (laughs) I get to keep all my XP and the coin that I made from that. So I left that and I tried another one. And this one was uh, basically this lady was telling me how Lord of the Rings started with like the main ring. And I was like, what? And so like after I went through this long dialogue of like, you know, the intro of the first movie. What was it voiced? No, it wasn't voice. It was oh, all text. Okay, gotcha. So like, I'm looking at all this. I'm like, oh my god! And I couldn't get out of it. I was like, it just won't end. It just keeps going. Finished it, and then it's like, go three thousand meters away or miles away or whatever, how however far that is, to go talk to some other guy. And I was like, no. <laughs> we we should do uh, our own created story in there, and it's it's the origin story of the inner gamer, and we'll we'll tell the stories, and we'll go to like a small town bar in Assassin's Creed. <laughs> And That'd have these three awesome. people sitting down, and then Travis's character is a jester, like one of those dudes that's uh, got the funny yeah, hats on yeah. and stuff like that. And then we sit there, and then all of a sudden, you have a character that walks in that is green somehow, and it's like text pops up that says, I am Master Chief, and I am the greatest game of all time. Oh, gosh. And then you have another guy that comes in that says, No, I am Captain Price, and I am the greatest game of all time. And then you get 1,000 XP. You could, yep, just like that. Yep, that's how it's done. I, I I didn't realize like how shitty these quests were and how easy it is to get XP. So I proceeded to actually just play the game, and uh, now that I can actually play it, and it's not very choppy. You love it. Well, the 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 mechanics are great. The fighting's great. All of it's great, right? But it's just that story and the dialogue, and hearing these people do their you know deliveries of the lines. I'm like, ugh, ugh. It's so bad. It is just it is so bad. 
I do not like the story. I don't know how Greg Miller gave this like one of wasn't it one of his nominations for Game of the Year or something. Yeah, he loves this game, but he loves Ubisoft. Like he loves this game and he loves the Division too. Um, well, Division Two is our, yeah, but that story is garbage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You're right. You don't play a Division Two for story. I don't. You play it for just like loot grinding. Right. But right. I guess now you play Assassin's Creed for loot grinding. So <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. It's a win-win for everybody. I guess. I mean, the world building is great. Like Ubisoft is good. Well, I say that. We won't talk about Watch Dogs, but <laughs> Odyssey and Origins both have great worlds to to play in, and I enjoy that about those games. I don't know if I'll finish this game, even though I can play it now and I enjoy the combat and stuff. Yeah. But um, I'll probably jump back into it a few times. Um, and now that if you get stuck. Badly. Yeah, because I did some of the missions and I barely got to like half a level. I was like, holy crap, man. They did such a bad job. Well, they're probably trying to get you to buy whenever, that pass. Yeah, they want you to buy that pass. Then when they launch these like story created or these user generated missions, they were like, let's even lower the XP boost more. So that they might, you man. either pay us money yeah. or do this. They just might do that. Because it's still a grind to go to these these user-created missions and talk to like three people in a row. Because you're just sitting there doing the same thing over and over. Like, this is not this is not fun at all. But I will say this. The, the, the new abilities that you got, like you have a Spartan kick. So I was going up against people that were like two or three levels higher than me. And I would just Spartan kick them off of a ledge. So they like almost like nine out of ten times they would just die <laughs> instantly. So I was like, man, I'm getting all this. I'm getting gear I can't even use right now. <laughs> I'm like kicking ass. <laughs> I'm like, man, okay. So they did a good job with that on that sense. So right, it, it, it's fun. It's fun. I mean, now I'm sure you can get it for pretty cheap, and I'm sure I'll, you know, come Black Friday you can get it for probably for like twenty bucks or something like that. So if you're looking for a game, you kind of just jump into, have a good time. You know, it's it's worth picking up. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I own it. I just haven't played it yet. Yeah, I also own AC Origins and I haven't played it yet. I also own God of War and I haven't played it yet. <sighs> I also own Red Dead Redemption Two and I haven't played it yet. I also own The Last of Us Remastered and I haven't played it yet. Uh, you want me to keep going? <laughs> uh, Brett has been fired from the podcast. Uh, I'm sorry. No way. <laughs> I played Forza Horizon Four. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, I'm still playing War Group, by the way. That's I'm good. making making progress. I saw you playing it the other day. Yeah, I was trying to get footage for for it. Nice, nice. Where I, you at? I don't want to play anymore. Oh, really? You're done? Yeah. It's like I, I give up on this game. Yeah. So we found out that if you hit hold the B button down on the enemy's turn, it goes quick. I was yeah. like, oh, hey, that, that helps a lot. But it does help a lot. At this point, I'm like, the story is not that great. And I didn't expect it to be amazing or anything. But yeah. I just uh, yeah, it's whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's How taking far did you longer. Get? I got Two, one, two, three, four, five, six. So I got to the point where you have to go into the forest and you have all the creatures trying to find you. Oh, that's it. And you have the fog of war. Oh, wow! Yeah. You're early in the game. Yeah, I know. I haven't, I haven't yeah, you that haven't even discovered like the the epicness of this game yet. Right. Yeah, you're just like in the peon stuff. Yeah, I am. Yeah, you haven't gone to like the blisters and the witches and shit. Oh man. Oh man, we'll see where I get with get that. So good. I still haven't finished Planet Alpha, and I'm trying to get through that. It's actually, I haven't finished shit. Katana Zero. Oh, you haven't finished that yet? No, <laughs> I beat it before you did. Yes, that's you did. amazing. It is amazing. It's really hard. That never happens. Yeah. All right. All these games keep coming, man. I just I, I got to jump from one to the next. And it kind of sucks. Yeah, I know. It's hard. It's tough. 
It's life, though. Well, that's going to be it for the games we play this week. If you want to play games with us each and every week, you can join us on our Discord channel. Check out the link in the show notes, or you can go to theinternetgamer.net slash 226. If you like what you hear, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and tell all of your friends. They stay tuned for our video game news as we are going to talk about all kinds of things video game news related. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. It is time for our video game news. In this segment, we share the best headlines from the week in the gaming industry. And everybody, we have some very, very exciting news to share. EA is in the news again. Yes, I know. I know. You're just, you just, it's one of those things. It's like, it's like one of those, uh, you know, bad eggs that you just can't get rid of. Or actually it's like, it's like the, that, that disease that you just can't shake. You know, the cold just keeps coming back. The cold that just keeps coming back. It's one of those things. And EA is in the headlines again. Mr. Andrew Wilson himself, as we all have come to know him as the CEO of Electronic Arts and other executives, as reported by GameSpot, have declined their cash bonuses and are giving the money to a developer bonus pool. So instead of taking the bonuses that they get every year and putting them in their pockets, they decided let's put it in a pool and uh, give bonuses to our developers instead. So they've had some bad fiscal years recently, as we all probably are aware. Uh, they had some disappointing fiscal 2019 results. They understand the challenges they face and will continue to focus on how they can apply the strengths of the company to capitalize on the opportunities. Um, so what they, they did is they declined their cash bonuses, including Blake Jorgensen, Kenneth Moss, Chris Bruzo, and Chief Studios Officer Laura Meal. Patrick Sutherland also reportedly gave up his bonus before he left in August 2018. Um, EA actually offered him $20 million in equity bonuses to stay, but he still left to establish Embark Studios, which is now one of our most popular videos on YouTube.com slash Gamer. So go check it out. Uh, but he didn't take it. And instead, um, the funds are going to go into a pool to help secure new hires, amongst other things. So that's good. And uh, it's going to be also, they're going to take their bonuses they decline and put in a bonus pool to be paid to employees. Combined, the bonuses comes out to $4.8 million of money. And that doesn't count the $20 million equity bonus from Sutherland. That he well, which is funny though, because this was money that was going to go to him to stay. So they were just like, "Hey, we're going to give you this money," and now they're acting as if this was money that he gave back to them. So like he donated it, but in reality, it's money that they needed to be putting on their employees anyway. I feel like, but it's like, no, he did a good deed. He gave his money back. I'm like, no, he did, that wasn't his money anyway. He major, had, he major quit. eye rolling, Brett. Eye roll. Major eye roll. <clears throat> what's the catch here? Yeah, people are getting money, but what's the catch here? Uh, <laughs> just like this is EA, they don't just give away free money like that. Well, let's talk about their salaries yes, that please. they make now. Yes. So, according to SEC filing, uh, all of the executive officers received an increase to their base salary in 2019. Mm. So they declined their bonuses, but they also got a larger salary. So I'm looking at a chart. Um, in fiscal year 2019, they have actually, let's look at it this way. So 
In 2017, Andrew Wilson was making $1,083,000. And then in 2019, he's got a raise up to $1,192,000. So he's basically making a very comfortable person's salary additionally than he was making two years ago. $100,000, $110,000 more than he was two years ago. Um, so that's his salary as a CEO. Blake Jorgensen, the COO or the CFO, went from in 2017 making $762,981 a year to making $850,000 a year. Laura Meal, the chief studios officer, this year made $675,000 a year. Um, and then Kenneth Moss, CTO, went from 619,000 in 2017 to 675,000 and Patrick Sutherland who again is no longer there uh, was making $611,000 and when he left was or actually in 2018 he got a raise to $821,000 so a significant pay bump and then when he left he got paid $475,000 because he left early in that fiscal year so um, that's a lot of money it's a lot of money but what's funny is that doesn't count stock awards, non-equity incentive plan compensation, and all other compensation. So Andrew Wilson, although he got paid $1.1 million in his salary, his total amount from last year was $18.3 million. It's a lot of money. <clears throat> Look, you have way more than enough money here, and I understand... People need to get raises over time and stuff like that. Makes sense. But like when you have people who are struggling just to get just struggling to live, apparently not, not in the sense that like they don't have (laughs) cash to live, but like mentally, you know, they're working their fingers into the ground to the bone just to get some of the stuff out. It's like you could help your cause to help these people to, you know, raise morale, get better games out and make more money overall. Right. It just seems like a, common sense and win-win situation. But I feel like, again, you have these business people who don't know anything about gaming and only see numbers and statistics and poll people and be like, what do people like? Okay, we'll give them this. It's got to work, right? And they don't really care about the art that goes into this. And that's why they're making this much money, which isn't a bad thing. Like, Good for them if they're making this much money. But I think if you had people who understood gaming and understand the industry and what like actually are gamers. Um, I think we'd have a different situation here. Yeah. I still think they'd be putting the money in their pockets. They're executives. They're going to pay themselves a lot of money unless somebody puts a stop to it. Government regulation or the company themselves just being like, Hey, like get a new CEO in there. That's like, look, we're overpaid. We get paid too much money. This is just a fact. Let's take some of this money out, reduce it, and then put it in other places to make things better. If they did that, they'd be fine. But Andrew Wilson doesn't want to do that. Blake Jorgensen no. doesn't want to do that. No. Um, they're like, hey, let's they're making money. Make, make the press like us more and say, we gave up our bonuses this year. But in reality, they gave themselves raises and then put the bonuses right. uh, back into the cash pool that yeah. should have been going there anyway. Right. So it's, it's, uh, it's a problem that starts at the top that needs to be trickle down to the bottom like they need to make the decisions themselves to adjust this so that more of this money i mean 
Andrew Wilson could easily get paid five hundred thousand dollars a year and live a very very comfortable lifestyle. Yes, and yes. that leaves six hundred thousand dollars that could go to seven or eight employees <coughs> that you don't have that are getting now paid really well to produce new content for your games. And if Again, you did that times five executives, that's like fifty new employees that you could employ with seventy, eighty thousand dollars salaries that are pretty comfortably compensated. Plus if they get stock, which their stock's been going up a little bit. So if they get stock in that all as well, that could cover a lot of this stuff. Right. And or take that money and say, hey, you know, instead of just coming out and saying, hey, we're committed to Anthem, say, hey, I'm taking my bonus and putting it into Anthem to make it better. Yeah. Um, Again, the, the art is lost on these people, I feel like. Yeah. To some degree, you know. Obviously, some of it's there, but I don't think they... They just don't see it the way we do. Again, I know he's Chief, Chief Executive Officer Andrew Wilson. He's doing a lot of other things. I understand. He's He can't just be on the ground floor being making decisions or whatever, playing the game and testing it out, which I'm sure he does, but... Well, no, he. Know. I mean, I, I doubt he even does that. That's not his job. His right. job is to run a company. Like He's not... Right. He's not the art guy. He's the business guy. His exactly. goal is how can we make this business profitable right. and continue to be profitable going forward. Right. I mean the 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 creative officers. You know that's the the chief creative officer or whatever. That's their job is kind of to manage that part of it. Yeah. But again, he, you know, his mindset is yeah we're committed to making this game better. Well, you need to you should have solved that a long time ago because they thought they were fine and they weren't. They should have been like his job is to delegate and make sure that the people that are running down below are actually running efficiently and properly. Right. And clearly these guys miss that mark somewhere. Um, I mean, and sure probably pushing things too much on, on all levels, you know? Um, but I don't know. You could set a good example. This is good. It's positive, but I don't know. It's EA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they just need to work on restructuring a lot. Like they need to restructure the way they look at their business philosophies, uh, which they have done. I mean, they got rid of the name loop loop boxes, so that's a step in the right direction. Surprise mechanics is way more friendly. Um, they uh, they went and they are building single player games again, which people want. So finally, they listen to that. I mean, that's they're doing some things that are right, but they need to do a better job of just letting their team operate. And when their team is struggling, they need to figure out rather than saying, hey, let's just, okay, then pull resources into this and push it harder and faster. Maybe you needed to take a break on Anthem for a little bit and then work on something else that can get you get out faster and easier maybe or say hey let's let this thing run in the fire a little bit we're going to lose a couple hundred thousand dollars or maybe even half a million dollars but it's worth it to let this thing sit sit in the iron a little bit longer or in the fire a little bit longer to get better they didn't do that a great example is actually elon musk he was on the joe rogan podcast and he was like yeah i didn't make before or after he smoked weed I don't know. <laughs> D- does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. I just thought <laughs> okay. uh, it was funny. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe this wasn't I was trying a to make Joe a Rogan. joke, man. Okay. It was funny. <laughs> maybe this wasn't a Joe Rogan podcast, but I heard it somewhere where he was saying that he had he couldn't even pay rent because he was paying everybody else. Yeah. To create the dream that he wanted to. 
So he was willing to go all in, even if it meant that he was going to be broke. Yeah. To make his company something or just to grow or to achieve the dreams of the ideals and goals that he wanted to. Well, yeah, I read that in a Wired article a long time ago. He, whenever, whenever he was working on Tesla, Tesla was struggling. It was during the, the, when, um, the economy was down and was dying back in the, like, you know, during the recession basically. And all the car companies were losing a ton of money, obviously Tesla included. And there was a point in time where they got some, uh, money, from uh you know money from the government to help um gm got a shit ton of money ford got a shit ton of money tesla got a little bit of money but tesla eventually paid it back um gm and ford never really did but prior to that they were he was working on the roadster the roadster didn't do as well as it should have and they just start tanking big time and then he still had spacex running at the time and was doing all that and he lost a lot to the point to where he had less than a hundred thousand dollars to his name because he invested everything into Tesla to save it from death. And uh, so that's what ended up happening. Like he dropped it down to where he had literally a six figure net worth, which for Elon Musk is like crazy. It's like nothing for the amount of stuff that he's working on. Right. right. Um, and yeah, put it all in there and it was a bet that, was a good bet for him because now yeah. it's back up and running again and everything's good, hunky-dory. I mean, he's successful, but I'm not going to say he's lucrative, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's a good term for his company yet. Right, right. But that's the kind of people we need in video games who love it so much that they're willing to put back into it because they yeah. want it to be successful. It's something more than just getting money and making a business work, right? It's art. Yeah, yeah. So. You want it to succeed. You're you love it for the what it is, rather than is it going to turn the next profit exactly. kind of situation. So. Um, Amazon did a lot of that for a long time because they never turned a profit for like twenty years. But uh, look where they are now. Yeah. So they're going to be successful. Um, all right. Uh, so Epic Games, another thing that's been in the news a lot lately. Uh, Tim Sweeney came out and has defended his PC exclusive strategy. Now, the reason why I want to bring this article up is that it's a very interesting strategy that I kind of agree with. Um, Awesome. We'll see what you think after we go through it here. But I do see his side of things. So basically, um, you know, everybody's been up in arms lately about Epic Games exclusive rights. These games are coming out, especially when Shenmue 3 came out and like had a Kickstarter project and then was like, oh, hey, we're going to be Epic Games exclusive on PC. Everybody was pissed off because they invested in it on Kickstarter. Now they got to get an Epic Games store. Whatever. That's that's a shitty situation. But um, Tim Sweeney posted a really... That. Huh? <laughs> really quick. Yeah, I know. I mean, you're right. It's a shitty situation, but that's like shitty. Yeah, we talked about it on the last podcast yeah. a little bit. And it, it's happened to a few games. Too, right, so. yeah. Um, but Tim Sweeney put out a really long Twitter thread explaining his strategy being the, what he says is the only strategy to change the 70, 30 revenue split between publishers and storefronts. So right now the standard 70, 30, 70% goes to the publisher, 30% goes to the storefront. And that's how money is split up on online platforms like steam and probably GOG and all these different places. And uh, Epic wants to take 12% and give 88% to publishers and developers. Um, so it makes it more attractive. And then also it pays studios more to release their games. Um, but Epic is also, in addition to doing this, they're also paying studios to release their games as timed exclusives. 
And he said that the exclusivity is the only way that will change the 70-30 status quo at a large enough scale to permanently affect the whole industry. <clears throat> and the reason for this is that he says that other independent game re- retailers have done great work in recent years, but none of them have hit 5% of Steam's scale. So Steam basically dominates the market. And as hard as you can try, if you're still matching the 70-30, you're, gonna, you're not going to move the needle any direction. And he's like, we need to give more money back to the developers to allow them to make better games, more creative stuff, et cetera, et cetera. So um, he said that uh, Sweeney went on to say that the 30% store tax can erase any profits a developer might see. Um, which creates a disaster situation. If the Epic Game Store can become number two behind Steam, or if it can spur change on Steam with regards to the split, the result would be a major wave of reinvestment in game development and a lowering of costs across the board. So pursuing exclusives basically is a benefit for the gamers in the long run because the goal is if you can do this and get more developers behind you, you're hopefully going to attract a higher market share and then in turn, Steam is going to have to react to that and then save face, which is kind of in a way, I mean, we've talked about this in the past a little bit, maybe blackmail, but not really because I mean, it is a free market. You can be competitive all you want. But uh, yeah, that's that's his game plan is that the goal is to change the status quo that 70-30 should be the industry standard and let's make a make a say for this and instead we have to make exclusives because otherwise steam is going to continue to sell products because that's just the way it is because the right. consumer doesn't care that it's their 70 30 or 88 12 they just care that they'd rather buy it on steam versus epic game store so so a few things yeah is yeah i agree that maybe things should change right you know, ha- having this eighty twelve is is not a bad idea. Like I think that's pretty awesome. You know, give more back to the devs who make games. That's great. Like we should definitely fight for that. But having it exclusive, I think, poses an issue because why not just have it where it's on your platform as well, and then as your platform grows, you'll be like people can choose to come over there or not, right? Because right now the issue is for gamers, at least for me, is that Steam has become, you know, obviously a giant, but all the it's worked out a lot of the kinks over the years, right? And it being the only platform at the time, minus GOG, uh, you know, it's really it really exceeds in what it performs. It's a great product, basically, yeah. and that's why people want to go there. And you have Epic, which great UI, but there's it has a long way to go to be something that can challenge Steam. And being a great product and providing what gamers have as a standard now, so it's like, why not just open it to both? Yeah, people will buy on Steam for sure, but if yours is open, like, don't force people to go there if they don't want to. And there are definite reasons why people don't want to go there, right? And it, this is just bad press. I mean, I don't know too many people who are like, yeah, I'm just gonna get it on Epic. A lot of people are like, fuck Epic, I don't want to get it there. Yeah, <laughs> and now people are taking the stand and not buying an Epic, so they've kind of. On one hand, they're doing something good, but on the other hand, they have bad PR, and, and it's just conflicting on what they're trying to succeed in. Yeah, I mean, with what you said, I mean, it's his plan is not going to work. Like, if it's open on both platforms, everybody's just going to buy it on Steam, and they're never going to buy an Epic Game Store. So therefore, you're never going to move the needle anywhere. So that mindset doesn't work at all. But with this, it's backfired on him for sure because of the fact that, hey... 
Like we're trying this out and the only way we see in our minds is to make exclusive games where you can only get them here so that game developers see that, hey, the profits are here. We're getting the money sold here because you can only get it here. And that's the only way that people can see and as a from a publisher's perspective that, yes, we do generate more revenue on this platform than this platform. And then as Steam starts losing that market share because it's only available there, then they're going to have to either allow themselves to lose that market share or give in and say, okay, we're going to change this. But as right. Bill on both platforms, the consumer is going to react the way the consumer is going to react, which is all their shits on steam. They're going to get it on steam and Epic can't do shit. Like they're stuck there. Yeah, There's nothing hard. that Epic can do right. to change that. I mean, they can make the best storefront in the world and the best sales and all that stuff, but they're not going to move people off of steam really in any other way unless they have this exclusivity or if they do something that like they have games maybe that were never meant to be on the steam store maybe they start doing what playstation does and start up studio i mean like yes besides fortnite you know yes. start making games that are exclusive to this that right. you have to play here yes um, that's they have so much money now yeah and when this came out it just kind of felt like they're trying to you know uh, you know, put their hands in Steam's pocket, which, you know, I, I'm not like against, you know, there's competition. That's good. Right. But it's like they already have money. Now they have enough money to build something to make more money. Yeah. That's what it, that's what it will do. Right. Yeah. Then it came out right off the bat, at least not to my knowledge. And like, oh, we're trying to change the marketplace. It was just like, hey, we're releasing Game Store. Yeah. Come to us now. Exclusivities. And then it was after the fact they're like, well, we're trying to change the revenue split thing. Yeah. Which is but, fine. You know? Yeah. But, I mean, that, that was a selling point to the. I mean, that was a selling point to developers. Was like, hey, right, yeah. you make more money over here, so put your games on here. Right. So they got a lot of like indie developers that were jumping jumping on board with it, but they screwed up in the fact that they 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 didn't finite finesse the store well enough before they put it out there into the wild. And now when they started doing, it's just the timing things screwed everything up because they have a broken store. And then now they're doing these exclusives where you can only get them on the store, but the store doesn't work right. Like that's not going to work in your favor because you did it backwards. You should have fixed the store, gone it the way it needs to do, needs to work, put out some more epic games. Yes. That aren't just Fortnite. Right. And then see what happens there. Yeah. I mean, that's the benefit. That's what Steam did that was so successful is that they started, they got market share by making games that you could only play there. But not just one. I mean, obviously, Half Life was the big catalyst. But then they created Counter Strike Source, that was only playable on Steam. So if you picked it up on on Steam, like there you go, you got you can play that. You can play Half Life Two. You're good. And then Left for Dead came out. But those are all Valve published titles, right? Um, I mean, Nintendo kind of did the same thing, similar topic, but different vein. Maybe you know they had they're releasing their stuff every so often, but they're putting. Uh, you know, other content in there for people to play along the way yeah. to, to fill up their time. You know, indie games. Yeah, that's what I thought they were going to do. I thought this was good. Epic was going to lead up to, hey, we're going to launch some new games here in the future, and here's some indie games along the way that you can yeah. play. Yeah, I think that would have been great. And then, but have that same market share of eight, eight, twelve, and then people will be like, oh, well, this is cool. And then if you know a de developer wanted to just do. You know, Epic exclusive. It was actually the developer. It wasn't them initially stealing people off from. We don't have a choice. But then at the same time, you can be like, "Hey, get 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 some cool stuff." If you go with the Epic Game Store, 
that you won't get. See, that'd be an interesting idea. I could see that being a good benefit as opposed to saying, hey, let's just be exclusive to this platform. If you come and buy on our platform, because of the fact that we get a larger cut from this, we can then invest a little bit more into providing you with some bonuses like you would with like PlayStation 4. If you go on PlayStation 4, you get some bonuses for buying it on that platform. Um, And then again, them doing their own games. Like if they actually produce some more of their own games, I think they would be in a good position here to increase the 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 weight of this like bring out another unreal tournament right and uh i don't know another single player game that like really blows people's minds and i think that would help sell this platform but they're not doing that no so yeah no that's 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 true i think the exclusivity is there is a fix around this like I, i originally thought that there was only one way but if they make their own games that's sold on this platform. That is a re- a way to pull market share away from Valve because they're not doing a whole lot of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dota Underlords now, but you know, there's nothing really new that Valve's bringing out that's exclusive to that platform, and they I don't mean, need it to be. They were the only ones, but Epic does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a slow game for them. Like they can't just rush in here and expect to to take it over. I don't think they did, but at the same time, they're trying to move things along really quick. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So. I think they are moving too quickly. They're like, rather than us making games, let's just get other people to make it exclusive here. Right. And then that'll let us move the needle faster. Right. But I don't think it's good on the consumer standpoint. All right. So Blizzard has come out with a little bit of information thanks to GameSpot.com. And uh, they explain a little bit more on the cancellation of the World of Warcraft follow-up Titan. So this has been interesting because there's been a lot of talks of like games that people have been really excited about. We have StarCraft Ghost. We have this game. Uh, we have all the Star Wars games that EA was making. And then hopefully this next one comes out without getting canceled. Yeah. Um, all these different things happening where games are getting canceled and we're like, WTF, what happened? Actually good games. Actually, good games, or what we well, hope would be good games. Yeah, yeah. Really good games. Um, so Titan was a game that was in developed many, many moons ago, and um, Blizzard has come out and said that they cancel roughly fifty percent of the games that they develop, which is insane. That's like a huge statistic. That means one in two games are canceled. That's a lot of time and effort, and, and it's like money. you sit there, <laughs> think of like as a developer or like a designer. You work on, say, a character model for like four days straight. You make that model. You put it out there. You work so hard on it. That's four days of your life that you don't have anymore. And then it doesn't get seen by anybody. Right. That sucks. That does suck. That sucks real big big time. Yeah. Um, hey, I mean, you're working your creative muscles out. That's good. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so Blizzard uh, went and canceled Titan, which was an MMO. And then that elements of said game eventually became what is now known as Overwatch. So when this canceled, it did have some good that came out of it. They took the assets and ideas that they had developed there and turned it into what is now Overwatch. But uh, Blizzard founder Mike Morham, um, who left the company recently, was talking at a game lab convention and said that it was going to be a next generation MMO. And then what happened was... They failed to control the scope of the game. It was very ambitious. It was a brand new universe, and it was going to be the next generation MMO that did all sorts of different things. It had different modes. We were sort of building two games in parallel, and it really struggled to come together. So they uh, they canceled it, and then through that, they took whatever was left of that game and made Overwatch, which he said was, quote, one of the best decisions that they ever made. 
Um, they took something that wasn't going to ship for a very long time, might never have shipped, and turned it into an awesome game. And now director Jeff Kaplan, who is the game director on Overwatch, uh, said that we failed horrifically in every way, in every way that a project can fail. It was devastating. So it was canceled in 2014. Super ambitious. Didn't come together. And uh, they canceled it basically because they couldn't find the fun. They didn't find the passion in the game. And uh, that's what happened. Same deal with uh, StarCraft first-person shooter, uh, StarCraft Ghost. That was canceled. And... uh, they uh, moved on from that because they wanted to put more development onto Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2. Partially probably because of the poor response they got from Diablo Immortal. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So what I love about Blizzard, or at least the old Blizzard, is that they weren't afraid to just kill a game. Like, we're working on it. We know what games are. We know what good games are. This isn't going to work out. Let's just move on to something else. And yeah. There's not a lot of companies that take that chance. I mean, you talk about EA and or Activision. Well, let's just focus on EA and Anthem. Like, obviously, that game is not going to be good. They should have canned it. That's a, They should have canned Mass Effect Andromeda that and too. focus on Anthem. Yes. Oh, that would have been even better. Yeah. Like, that's was exactly what should have happened. Well, technically, yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I think what, because they were working on both of those so heavily at the same time, yeah, exactly. that's what really screwed them up. Because mm-hmm. then Anthem had some roadblocks and they had to pull people off of Andromeda, which never allowed Andromeda to finish the way they wanted it to. Right. Or just hold off on Andromeda and then focus on Anthem and then come back at a later time. Yeah. But, you know, again, with these companies that just want to see profits, and you have people who aren't focused on the art. They're like, well, we need to salvage this somehow and make money somehow. And then that's when we see Anthem and all its DLC and all its, you know, loot boxes, not loot boxes, but, you know, uh, microtransactions you can do in the game. And it's just so bare of actual content. And it's like, how did this even make it out into the real world? Yeah. And it's like, well, because we're a publicly owned com- traded company, we got to make profits where we can. We can't just scrap this. I think that's a big issue, you know. Can you imagine Blizzard coming out with a... Uh, what What game have they come out with that just sucks? I can't think of one. Yeah, I can think of mortal. games that I... Okay, yeah. It hasn't come out yet. hasn't come out yet. <laughs> I can't think of one that, you know... No, it's not that I just don't like it. It's just there's none that actually suck. Yeah, yeah. Um, each of them have their own followings, you know. Maybe they had some, you know, obviously bad launches. Everyone has bad launches. Yeah, I mean, Diablo 3 was not received well when exactly. it first came out. Neither was Warcraft, actually. World of Warcraft. Yeah. And yeah. major issues, but, you know, they fixed it over time. The concept was, you know, legit. Yeah. I just wish they would, more companies would do this. Well, hopefully they'll do that with Anthem. You know, we're shitting on it now. Maybe it'll get better. No, they ain't going to stop with that. Yeah. <laughs> They're I mean, like, we're like $60 billion in the hole. Or $6 billion. I don't know how many they how much they spent on that. Probably not that many. $6 billions, billion, yeah, but Probably yeah. $6 million or something. Probably, probably a lot. It was a lot. <clears throat> there was a six with a lot of zeros behind it. There was a six. <laughs> there was probably a six somewhere. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I, I just thought it was interesting to see kind of this the statistic of how many games are canceled there. Yeah. Um, how much is worked on that is doesn't ever see the light of day. It's pretty fascinating. Um, but they don't do it anymore. Oh, they do. They do. I mean, they scrapped a... Uh, what are they working on? Um, Diablo Immortal? No, they didn't scrap that. I mean, no, they scrapped they Ghost and they scrapped another Diablo project yeah, they were working was all on to focus on Diablo Activision. 4. Yeah. Now they're part of Activision. It's, it's a different story. Yeah. Well, they're still scrapping games a little bit. 
but they scrapped uh, they scrapped a Diablo project they were working on to put more effort into Diablo Four and That's stuff true. like that. So That's that true. that was something that happened. That's true. Post Activision, right? But I mean, Activision needs to do something because they have to keep them alive because they don't have Destiny anymore and they don't have any other properties. And then Call of Duty's fucked up, so they gotta they gotta take <laughs> let, care of their baby. Let Blizzard do what they need to do. Damn it. <laughs> Let it take care of their baby. Um, all right. Last story we have to talk about today is Google Stadia. Uh, Stadia boss Phil Harrison came out and was talking about the state of games and also the pricing of games. So some people might wonder, or people that buy digital games probably have wondered, well, you don't have a retail copy you have to ship to a store and make physical, so games should be cheaper, right? No, to the contrary. That is not true. Um, game prices on Stadia will be probably the same as everywhere else, according to Phil Harrison. Um, <laughs> so just to kind of recap a little bit, Stadia Pro, when it launches, will be $10 a month subscription fee. It's going to support 4K at 60 FPS, and uh, <coughs> we'll have some free games as time goes on. They haven't said what or how many. First one will be Destiny 2, but there will be ga- games that you can play for free, but not all of them will be free. <coughs> And then you have the free free version, which is 1080p only, and uh, will be no subscription fee. But you have to still pay games for games, and uh, you will uh, not get access to the free games that they have in the library. So you're basically you just get the subscription, and you buy games, and that's it. But they haven't announced the prices. But Phil Harrison came out and said to Eurogamer, "I don't know why it would be cheaper when asking about this." He said that uh, the reasoning is that buying a game on Stadia enables you to play it on pretty much anything rather than be re- being restricted to a particular platform or location, TV, PC, laptop, tablet, or phone. I think that's going to be valuable to players. Um, and then uh, in theory, the Stadia version of a game is going to be the highest possible quality of innovation and sophistication on the game engine side. So in his mind, it's basically a better version of said game if you buy it through here. Right, um, right, right. And he says it's difficult to say what publishers are going to do and everything and what the prices will be, but we're going to be very aware, very aware of prevailing prices in the marketplace. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. And well, he what's also, funny is that he, <laughs> PC games did you, did used to be cheaper when you bought them not on necessarily. PC. That's incorrect. Inflation was made. They're actually more expensive back then than they are now. Really? Is there $50? But back then, if you did the price point, it was like $70 or $80 in today's dollars. Yeah. I read up I on that you. one time because that's what I was thinking too. And I was like, then I did some research on it. And actually, they were more expensive back then than they are now. So we're technically paying cheap, cheaper well, prices for games because we, of inflation. Wait, what, what were we playing $60 for console games? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, but we're only paying like fifty dollars or something like that for, for PC. PC games. Yeah. So how is that worth eighty dollars? Because inflation. Fifty dollars so, back then is is way different than it is now. Right. Than fifty dollars is now. So fifty dollars back so then, then how much was actually the equivalent games? of eighty dollars. Well, sixty dollar games so back then is probably something? like seventy or eighty. Yeah. So games in general have gotten cheaper technically. Okay. Because of inflation. Right. Right. Because the game prices haven't changed in a very long time. Because Xbox 360, I think, was the first console that introduced the $60 price point. Yeah. Um, and back then, $60 was a lot more in today's dollars. So, yeah. So. Then never mind. Hasn't changed. <laughs> then hasn't never changed. mind. 
But <laughs> but I mean, there is well, arguments. I guess that what I'm trying said, to say is that you know you would get a discount regardless of inflation, and now you're paying what you would pay for a console game, as the same as online. When I thought when you were buying it at the store, you're paying more because there's the whole you know transaction of you going through a retailer and they have to do stocking fees and whatever, right? Yeah. And so now when you're doing it on PC, you think it'd be cheaper because there's no stocking fees, right? So that's the only reason why the price would be, you know, raised to a certain standard. Yeah. And now it's just sixty dollars across the board, which, yeah, you would think that the, you you would see that those you know a minus from the stocking fees that they would pay. Um, so however the math's working out, I mean that's that's how I see it. Yeah, I mean a lot of it is. I mean, there's a lot more in games now, and they haven't, true, you know, changed true. a whole lot with that right. stuff, which is also, right. you know, another factor that comes into play. Yeah, so a uh, $60 game in 2005, which is when the Xbox 360 came out, would be $77.14 today. So an extra, so we're paid $17 we're saving, more. Saving some money, right? All yeah. Right. Um, so we can bring another topic into this. Should game passes be something that we're so upset about? <laughs> No, because you know it raises the price, right? They get more content over time. Oh, you mean like DLC and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like uh, right. post content DLC packs. Like you shouldn't buy this. You know, you probably shouldn't buy anything mm-hmm. ahead of time. But you know, they're like, oh, now it's like this much money when you could just be spending sixty bucks. Like, where's the full game? Should it all yeah. be in there? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I agree that. They should charge more for this stuff. You're getting more content, more content than you've ever had in a game before. Is it good content? No, in some cases. But right. I think it's it's fair for them to charge that stuff in some capacity. But I'm excited to see what streaming content and sus- like subscription fees do for stuff like this, because the model is changing. Like even though you have a sixty dollar game out there, they still can't fully make the money that they want to make. Uh, or that they should be making in some instances. I mean, granted, like, you know, big, huge companies are still getting boatloads of money regardless. But, like, for development studios, there's just a lot of pieces that could change. So, I mean, really, there yeah. should be some restructuring <laughs> that could allow us to not have to increase the prices for consumers, but then more money can go into paying everybody to make sure that it's supported for the amount of work that's being put into this game. Right, right. But then there's also an argument that the consumer price could be increased too. But I think before that happens, things should be fixed from the company perspective first and be like, yes. let's actually make sure that we're giving the wages that these people should be earning and not giving it all to the bonuses of the executives like we talked about earlier. So there's a lot of scenarios that come into play there. But as far as game prices on Stadia being the price that they are, like I am not surprised that they're the same price. Um I mean, I didn't ever expect them to say, oh, hey, you can get $30 games on here because you're streaming it. Well, I thought you are paying a subscription to play these games. I I don't think they've ever mentioned until, obviously, recently that you had to buy the games yourself. And one of the issues that was raised by some people online was, well, if the Internet's out, you can't play your games. If Google goes down, the servers go down. If Google Google just goes kaput for whatever reason, financially, you know, uh, you know, server wise or whatever, like you can't play those games. Can't do that with so Steam either. It's like, well, what are you gonna do? If Steam dies, you can't play your games. Hey, you can you play single player games? No, you can't play any single player games on Steam. No, because it's got to connect to the internet to verify that you own that game. Oh, it's got DRM attached to it. 
So digital rights management. Guys, the industry is really fucked yeah. up right so now. You can you can play <laughs> o- offline mode, but if Steam goes out, like eventually you have to connect to the server to be able to download those games. And there's well there's to DRM. download them, right? Well, but if you already to, have yeah. downloaded, yeah. But I mean, if you ever lose that or your hard drive goes out or something like that, then you're you're screwed. Right. And a lot of those online games well, now connect can, to the internet to verify the right. validity of the game. I mean, I get the online games, but if you just play a single player game. Well, I'm saying okay. single player, like, you know, Far Cry 5, for example, even though it's a single player game, connects to the internet to verify the copy is valid. So there's a lot of games out there that even though they're single player, still connect to the internet. We got we got issues here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so few <laughs> so, games that you can actually play right now, unless you're on the Switch. Like, the Switch is a different story, because like, most of those games don't do that. But like, on PS4 and PC and all that stuff, a lot of those games, whether you're playing single player or multiplayer or just straight up single player connect like yeah it's crazy moral of the story buy a switch and you can play whenever you want because <laughs> this is bullshit this is actually bullshit yeah this should been, this should not be an issue yeah it's been this way for a while man i mean i know been some games about have this been for doing like 15 it. years i guess i'm never not connected to the internet now i just don't yeah. see it anymore yeah i mean like the other day i was flipping out because my power went out here at the house and i was like shit what am i gonna play i hopped on to steam and i couldn't play anything because it could i couldn't connect to steam to launch my game because if even a single player game i was going to play wolfenstein and even though i have that game on my hard drive it still has to connect to steam to say hey yes you do actually own this copy on your hard drive so i literally could play nothing on pc because everything runs to a launcher now and there is no connection so i pulled up my playstation i was like well playstation should work so i was able to play kingdom hearts i had disc for it but you know so like things like that and i think on playstation if you have a game that you downloaded off the internet it's still on your hard drive, and I don't think that needs to have an internet connection to verify it. Um, I think it's just registered to your local copy. But yeah, it's like Steam. I don't know any games unless you buy them completely. Like if you buy them on GOG, DRM free, right. I think then yeah, you can play those locally. Yeah, um, right, without right. internet connection. So that's that's good. But <laughs> I don't do that because I want to buy on Steam. So I need to look sucks. at GOG then. This is stupid. Yeah, I might buy all my single player games off GOG. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to. That's messed up, man. Yeah, I know. I was pissed <laughs> off, but I didn't think about that either because I was like, well, surely one of these games will work, but nothing because I couldn't get on Steam. <laughs> and they're all downloaded too. That's the other frustrating thing. Yeah, that like, is the games are downloaded, but it's like, no, you can't do it. So I was pissed. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. That's the world we live in now, everybody. Well, you got to have internet. We're going to end this <laughs> <laughs> new segment on a bad note. <laughs> Oh, no, the next segment is going to get even better. Oh, that's true. We're just leading, build, build, building up the tension here. We're building it up. If you want to watch these in video format and see our faces as we talk about this, like when I just blew Austin's mind and he was just like, my life is ruined. I'm so sad. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Visually, you can so see that. Sad. You can see it, it was, all in person. My transitions was... <laughs> devastating it's pretty bad but anyway you can check out our channel on youtube.com slash gamer and subscribe to get the videos as they launch stay tuned we'll be right back with our discussion topic you're listening to the inner gamer each week we break down a hot topic in the gaming industry and this week we are going to talk about a new show that we're launching called self-help for development studios from the Inner Gamer <laughs> podcast. And this episode, we are going to be talking about Treyarch specifically. 
Y'all may know Treyarch as the creators of Call of Duty, not the creators of Call of Duty. What am I saying? Infinity Ward. No, Respawn Entertainment is the actual original creators of Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. But they got boosted, ousted from Activision, and then now they created Respawn Entertainment, and now they're making Apex Legends, and everything's all hunky-dory. But For the most part. Most part, yeah, yeah. Um, not with the A, but with right. that. Uh, so Treyarch, uh, actually, more specifically, Kotaku, Jason Schreier, released an article on the interwebs uh, called The Human Cost of Call of Duty Black Ops 4. And uh, in this, we have this uh, story about the history of the the stuff that that is going on in the studios of Treyarch and kind of the chaos that's been ensued within that. So last year, Call of Duty Black Ops 3 came out, 4, sorry, Black Ops 4, and it was produced by Treyarch. And when it dropped, what really shocked people is that they went a different route this time by releasing a game with no single player. It's the first time they've ever had a Black a Call of Duty without a single player story. And their pitch, their marketing pitch, was based around the idea that the industry is changing and that instead of them doing single player, they did a battle royale and called Blackout. And so this was their big pitch, was like Blackout's their new thing. They're going for it. They're going edgy. People don't want single player anymore. Let's get out of it. So then you all have all these articles coming out about like, oh, single player is dead. And then EA is saying that single player is dead and all this stuff is going down. Well, then we come to find out, based on this article, new stuff has been reported that mm. that wasn't actually the case. Mm. They weren't responding to the fact that people didn't want single player. They responded to the fact that they fucked up and couldn't make single player. So therefore, they had to pivot and go a different direction. So if you want to read the full article, Kotaku, just go search for the human cost of Call of Duty. You can see everything. But ultimately, what this talks about is how... There's a lot of troubling situations happening within Treyarch's uh, studios. And not only Treyarch Studios, but also the third-party company Volt, or I think it's called Volt, that uh, they use to bring in their QA testers. So um, these people are employed by a company that basically is like a staffing agency. And they bring them in to QA test Call of Duty. And um, a lot of these QA testers are going through some pretty tough working conditions, such as 70-hour weeks, working so late that they shut the heat off or the air conditioning off in the room, um, working in rooms where you're supposed to have like eight people and there's actually like 12 or 13 people in there, um, mm. not getting close-up parking. And, and some of this stuff is like negligible in my mind because they're all contract labor. So they're not working, they're not salaried, they don't have the health benefits and all that stuff. So some of this stuff is expected because you're working as a contractor, not as a full-time employee. So you're not going to get close parking spots. You're not going to get paid lunches. You're not going to get some of the perks that you would get as an employee of a company. Um, but at the same time, they're working like 12 hours, Monday through Thursday, standard eight-hour day, and then sometimes they're working on Saturdays on the weekends. Um, which is insane just to match up with the crunch of developing and improving upon the game with these bugs and all these guys and girls are because of the high turnover and because of the fact that they look at QA testers as disposable, I guess, yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> that they 
there's never there's this mentality that QA testers are inexperienced people that are disposable and you can roll through them really quick and blah blah blah. But part of that is due to the fact that rather than them keeping people for a long time by giving them good working conditions and stuff like that, they're losing them because people can only take so much 80-hour work weeks and have to move on to something else because that sucks. You don't want to do that. So you opt to get out of there and then you get a new face in there that doesn't know the process of testing this game or how it operates or what the release schedule is or the bug schedule and all that stuff. So it's like you're always retraining new people and it can get out of control really fast. Um, so I've talked a lot. Austin, I'll let you kind of kind of jump in here and give your thoughts just on yeah. QA testers <laughs> in this realm. I mean, originally, I, I, I guess I just missed the fact that they were you know hired by a different company, an outside company that's not uh, that track goes to to you know get extra hands to help get some of the you know other jobs done that the devs don't have time for. And so originally, I'm like, well, again, I talked about this before on the podcast. You know, coming from a film background. You know, one working in similar conditions where you're not getting paid, you're doing free work, and I'll really tie this all back in. And it's kind of like you know, I understand that situation of even if it is low pay, you know, it's the conditions are not great. You know, especially here in summer, if you're doing film in the summer, like it's hot. Yeah, it's really hot, and <clears throat> having to work with a bunch of people and. It's easy for people to get aggravated and stuff like that. So, you know, obviously, again, the comparisons, the conditions are not the best, but you do it because, you know, you do enjoy it <clears throat> for the most part, I would assume. And, uh, you know, the least you can do is feed people, especially if they're just donating time. Even if they're, like, you know, very minimal, minimally played, my girlfriend is really kind of yeah. put that in my mind that you treat your people that are helping you out very well because obviously the pro for a film project especially a, a short film project it wouldn't come together if it wasn't for them so you need to at least feed them you know if nothing else yeah <laughs> that is a little bit different this situation because they're not volunteering their time this is their job right they're so they're you know they're getting yeah yeah, yeah. but so yeah, i'll continue. tie it back into like you know you should treat the people who are helping you make this product a little better if you're putting them in a room that's only designed for eight people and you're putting 12 people in there and it's fucking hot that is not good situation. Who wants to work there? You know, I would not want to go back to working for a company like this who's going to treat their employees or people who they have hired out to work for them. You know, at the least you can do is make it as comfortable as possible. Now, if you can't yeah, keep but it Austin, on, you're working on Call of Duty. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah, how great would that be for your resume? Right, yeah. Throw it around. Yeah, throw around the name a little bit. I don't know. I, I guess it's a little easier looking from the outside in. To say that there could be other things going on in the background that we don't know about, but at the same time, like you just treat your people that are working for you the best you can, you yeah. know, throw them a bone. I mean, you don't have to give them everything, you don't have to give them a raise. I mean, you don't have to obviously, they're having issues with feeding these people, which is an issue for I think the company that actually hired them out or is part that they're a part of. Yeah, like there should be some kind of you know, intersection of. Hey, you need to feed your people at the very least, or I don't, you know, I don't know how that works out. Obviously, we're not in the yeah. Industry, well, I mean, but. most companies don't feed their employees. This True. is just they're True. they're looking at a perk that, you know, they're like, oh, these guys get fed and get free parties and stuff right. like that. Well, why don't we get that? Right. And again, in my mind, they're contractors. They don't. They're not entitled to that, but they're not also. But they are entitled to not having to deal with air conditioning that's going to shut off at 
six o'clock. Yeah. And they are entitled to working in a workspace where it's not, you know, it's more comfortable or let them work remote. And I mean, I know there's probably a thing about they want them to be working on their systems and stuff like that, but you could set up like a VPN system where they can then VPN into the, the Treyarch network and then they're now isolated in there. So unless they're connected to that VPN, they can't play Call of Duty. Exactly. You know, like, but they could test it from their house and then work when they want, how they want. I think that would be a good model for these <laughs> testers, especially if they're as disposable as they say that they are. Like, Make it to where it's a remote working job. I mean, I guess you'd have to con- maybe for them. That's because it's an unreleased game. You have to control the conditions in which the, and where they're working because you don't want leaks to get out. You don't want people recording their screens. You can't exactly. control that that exactly. part of it. But <clears throat> I mean, got to be I, something in there that can be I, done. I, I can see how they seem a little entitled when they shouldn't be. And uh, you know, I think what they do is just like a, a step into you know the industry which you might have to take. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people who have taken this step where they do this for a little bit and then, you know, eventually they get in somewhere and apparently, you know, they were holding that over their head saying, hey, you know, we're looking to hire or something like that, so keep on coming back or whatever, yeah. you know. And obviously that's wrong. You shouldn't lie to them. Yeah. You know, unless you're actually going to try to hire somebody. <clears throat> um, there's a lot of things wrong on both sides, honestly. Yeah. So the 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 one bigger kind of situation I want to cover on this is that you know we're talking about how these QA testers are in less than ideal conditions and how they're working in this situation but a lot of this is not I mean they made a choice to work for this company yes right. Volt who places them there but they didn't choose to be put under high stress situations that have been caused by leadership at Treyarch so I want to talk about that a little bit because we haven't we haven't really jumped into much of this. But basically what was going on with Treyarch is that they're working on Call of Duty Black Ops 4. And in the mind, in their mind, they had planned to be developing a game that had a multiplayer component, a zombies component, and a single player component. So originally Black Ops 4 did have single player. And it was going to be something where they're going to change the game a little bit. And it was going to be a 2v2 style co-op story where you have two players teamed up together playing against two other players and you're having to carry out missions where one is say attacking the other one's defending and there's a story components intermixed within this like kind of pseudo multiplayer pseudo co-op kind of like story thing and they developed it worked on it tested it all this stuff happened and then realized that oh shit we may not have time for this because then uh, um, Rockstar announced their release date of November for Red Dead Redemption 2. Like, we can't release in November. That's basically writing our death wish. So they then decided, because they were already having issues with that single-player component, rather than continue that on, they canned it, canceled it, and then said, what else can we do in this amount of time? Battle Royale is really popular. Everybody here is playing PUBG. We love it. Let's make a battle royale in the Call of Duty universe. So this decision was made in February of 2018. And then they announced like literally like two months later, hey, Blackout's a new thing for Call of Duty. And they had just started it two months prior to that. From what this article kind of is saying. And then the game came out in October. So they pushed the date back to October 
because of Red Dead Redemption announcing the release day in November. And they were like, okay, now we got to figure out what we're going to do instead because we got to have three things in here. We can't just like release zombies and multiplayer. We got to have something else. So they made Blackout. So they took all their assets that they had created and then some ideas from the old games and then hacked together this map, built the mechanics, built that kind of world. And then that's what came of it. So this was developed in like five months. And then so it released. And yes, of course, there was bugs. There was issues. There was broken pieces of it. But again, they have these guys that are working like 70 plus hours bug testing this game. So, of course, I'm going to like jump out of my car and then the car is going to keep on moving for some reason full speed and run me over because that's <laughs> it. That is what happened in Blackout when it first came out. And uh, oh, no, it actually didn't run me over. It ran over my two friends because I thought it would stop when I got out of the car. But no, it just kept on moving full speed and ran them over and killed them. So that was funny. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was I was stupid. one of those people, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Austin <laughs> was one of those people. So that right there is an issue in that they had this game plan and they they they're pushing it they're rushing it to get it out and they had to pivot and when you have to pivot in a game cycle like they're trying to produce these games in 3 years which in most cases yes that's that can be doable but when they're trying to do something new 3 years is hard and now this happened they realized what they were doing was not going to work you don't have time anymore to fix oh, this. No. Oh no. So it's now let's let's work double time. And then so like testers are sitting here and they're like, oh yeah, trust me, the crunch is gonna be it'll be done by the time we release the game. Oh no, it's gonna be done by the time we do this next thing. Oh no, it'll be done by this. And then they decide, oh, we're not gonna put any microtransactions or anything crazy in here. And then slowly as time goes on, they do put microtransactions in this game because they got to make some more money back, probably from all the time and money that they lost developing this project. Exactly. <laughs> and then we have the whole chaos with like Sledgehammer Games and uh, 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 Raven not getting along when they're developing what the next Call of Duty was going to be, which sounded like it was might be a Vietnam Call of Duty, which I would have been really hyped about. Um, so they decided to shutter that project and say, <laughs> hey, Treyarch, you know that game you just released? All right, come on back. We need to get you one uh, coming out in two years now. Um, so now they're back to the same problem they had before. And they're doing single player. So they are going back to single player, finally, I guess. But I don't know if they're going to be able to come up with that in time to get it ready to go, even if they have support studios from Sledgehammer and stuff like that. And that's why you see, like, we were going to talk about this article, we didn't talk about it, but Sledgehammer Games was headed by Glenn Schofield, who is the guy that created the masterpiece that is Dead Space. He was one of the studio heads of that. Um, he's left Sledgehammer and has gone out to start a new studio with PUBG. <laughs> And that's now he's going to be working on a new story based game with the PUBG Corporation. Interesting. And uh, interesting. so, like, he's left that because I think Sledgehammer's just having a bunch of issues, yeah. which sucks because they actually made something Advanced Warfare is their game and they made Infinite Warfare as well, both of which were good. I think they made Infinite Warfare. Um, no, they did World War II, Call of Duty World War II and Advanced Warfare. Gotcha. So, both of those I thought were pretty good. Yeah. Well, I know we kind of. At least I've kind of mentioned this in the past, maybe not on the podcast, but uh, behind the scenes. I, I I think for something like Black Ops Four, I, okay. So I think one of the issues, I'll just step take a few steps back. One of the issues is that when we see a game, you know, we want to pay sixty dollars for it, right? It's got to have multiplayer at this point, and it's got to have a campaign, right? Something like that. You know, this one has three different game types, which has worked pretty well for for Call of Duty. So 
I don't see any reason why you can't make these all separate entities that are part of the same package, though. I just want to play multiplayer, $30, right? You get all the multiplayer stuff. You can even have, you know, the when you launch the game, you can have all three sections up, but it's like this is locked behind a paywall and this is locked behind a paywall, but you only pot this, right? So they have their own marketing for, you know, multiplayer, and they have their own marketing for uh, zombies, and they can have their own marketing for the campaign. I don't see any reason why that wouldn't be an acceptable thing, but I do think consumers will be like, this is kind of weird and stupid. But if you did that, you could have held out on the campaign and it could be coming later. We're going to release multiplayer first and in two months or whatever, we release zombies and then a few months after that, we'll release the campaign. So like over time, it's like kind of like you're buying DLC, but I think there's enough in each of those that it's not too much to ask, you know, like we were saying earlier, to spend a little more money from the consumer side on these games if it means that we don't have to have microtransactions and that stuff. Not to say that they wouldn't do it anyway, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I think... That could help uh, offset some of the stress that these yeah. people are feeling. It would be nice board. if they released it kind of in pieces, like started out with, hey, here's a single-player story. Play Kind of like how Red Dead Redemption did, where they brought out Red Dead Redemption online and said, hey, you got like three months, four months to play this, and then the online mode comes out later on. Right. Like, I kind of like that idea a little bit. My My fear of Call of Duty doing something like this is that if you have those things locked behind a paywall what you're going to have happen is people aren't going to try those other things. So if you have these three things in there and you have to pay extra money to unlock zombies and unlock blackout or whatever it might be, when you have purchased the full game, you're going to give each one of those things a try because you already bought it. You might as well. But if you haven't bought it yet, what's going to entice you to buy unless they have some super badass crazy thing that hook that brings you in. But chances are they're not going like to have it on all with three of those. zombies in the campaign, you're pretty much, well. Well, I, I think it only works for Call of Duty because people have played multiplayer, they've played zombies, and they've played the campaigns. Yeah. It's like they understand what all of that is. I think that's something they could do is zombies and campaign is one piece, and then multiplayer is another piece. Yeah. And then that way, if you buy a zo- like campaign, you're also going to get the zombies mode with it, which I think that could kind of go hand in hand together. And then people that I mean, because like I'm, I'm kind of, I kind of would buy that because I like ish multiplayer on Call of Duty, but I don't really play it a whole lot. Exactly. So I would be okay with, and I, but I would love to have some co-op zombies with my friends. Yeah, exactly. And then play some single player, so that if they split it up in that way, I don't think like zombies or the campaign stand alone enough well by themselves. Right. But there is plenty of people that would just play. Call of Duty multiplayer. Exactly. That's their that's their thing. Why, their why buy the camp? Why, why pay sixty dollars for a part of the game you're not going to play? Yeah. You know it should be cheaper if that's all you're going to play. Now I know people have talked about uh, or Red Dead pay sixty dollars for multiplayer exclusively with the mindset that you're going to be getting all the DLC for free. But what is but what is multiplayer worth? So I think that's the thing. It's like, what are these parts actually worth by themselves? Well, right? I mean, it would be worth that if they brought out like 15. I mean, look at like Battlefield 5 paid $60 for that game. And I mean, well, you had a single player and you had all the different stuff in it. But right. all that extra content they brought out, like, I mean, it's definitely well worth it when it's all said and done. Like, If you had a $60 multiplayer that had start with 10 maps and then by the end of it, you're going to have another 10 maps plus like different game modes that come within that. It might be worth that price point. I, I think people know. would buy it. What is PUBG? $35, wasn't it? It's like 40 Yeah. And you get 
you get a lot of stuff with it, obviously. There's obviously microtransactions yeah. of that. Fortnite's free to play. Apex, what was that, 45? It was actually... Apex was free. Yeah, what am I thinking? <laughs> I mean, you go, like, you start looking at these other games, it's like, why am I paying money for those? Yeah, and but then they're, like, written with microtransactions, one. so... Right, so it's, like, right. either get a $60 game that has no microtransactions, which is what I'm pitching, or gotcha, gotcha. you get Fortnite and Apex for free, and you have to go through the fact that you have a shit ton of cosmetics you can download and buy. Right. Right. But um, but with that, I mean, that $60 game of multiplayer also entitles you to the DLC that normally would cost you extra money, right. but you're going to get it for free. Right. Which I think could be, I mean, I think people would I mean, pay, pay for that. Even if they just charge $40, I think that's a better price with DLC and no microtransactions. Yeah, they won't do that, though. I know. Yeah. I know they wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I think the, I think the $60 thing would be fair. I would still consider it fair just because of the fact that you're getting all that extra content. Cause normally they charge like $20 a head on each one of those DLC packs that come out, I think. Right. So three of them, that's 60 bucks in itself extra. So, and people buy it. So, that's true. That's you know, true. instead yeah. let's just do $60 one time and you get all that stuff. Then if you want to buy the single player, it's extra. Yeah. Um, Whatever that's worth. Yeah. And that I think could be $40. Right. Single player plus zombies. Um, Unless they do like zombie modes to come out, then you can buy like sixty dollar version that gives you like a couple extra zombie levels, potentially. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different ways that they could spin it, it but, but yeah, I don't know. I I feel like Call of Duty is just like kind of struggling right now, and they are. <laughs> it just sucks that they I mean, have they're falling this stuff. into the trap of everyone else. Well, they've been in this trap for a while. That's, true. That's true. the f- unfortunate part because I mean they, I mean they at least they finally realized like, hey, we can't be releasing having two studios releasing two a game every two years because mm-hmm. then it was getting real stale real fast yeah. oh yeah and now at least they're giving a three-year cycle but then again now they're trying to like change it up a little bit especially with this new one gonna have the brand new engine you know modern warfare like <clears throat> i'm sure they're struggling quite a bit on that project that we just haven't heard yet yeah because they got single player campaign they got multiplayer and it's a brand new freaking engine they've been working on for however long yeah so there's a lot of a lot of stuff that falls into play with that so um i I think one of these quotes here uh is very telling like panic attacks burnout dissociation you feel like your boundaries are being violated you lose all passion for what you're doing and forget why you were doing it in the first place it's a nightmare that that right there that. that right there like makes me fearful that someone could actually lose it and then go into the studios and shoot it up. Disassociation is not good. Yeah. Especially if you're getting panic attacks and you're getting burned out. Like You need to get out of there. People who are on the edge, this could really tip them over. I'm surprised we haven't seen anything like that. God forbid we ever see anything like that. Yeah. But stuff like that just kind of freaks me out. Yeah. And, you know, it's all for trying to make some money. You know, where's the passion in making a good game? It's not there right now. Yeah, <laughs> I think oh, I think some people. I mean, I like the Treyarch core staff. Sounds like they're relatively satisfied. I mean, other than the fact that true, true. I mean, it's the it's just there's so many of these these companies that just need to figure out. They need to look at what Rockstar does and be like, hey, Rockstar releases a game every six years, and or CD Projekt Red. That's it. Yeah, yeah. CD and they Red. they like. I mean, they've somehow been able to manage it, but or they've been focused with it. PlayStation exclusive companies like yeah those guys aren't cranking out game after game yeah you know and if you look at those games though i mean what's why are they successful because playstation lets them do what they got to do 
and they give them time to let it happen. Uh, CD Projekt Red's their own beast. They self-publish, so they're gonna let that they're gonna let it breed and run as they need to. Oh yeah, and they're making enough money from their other properties that they can sustain. Um, Rockstar, same deal. Like called freaking GTA Online was a cash cow, so they were able to let that like sit in the fire for a while while they spent their extra time on Red Dead Redemption. Granted, Red Dead Online's not doing as well as it used to, but they're still supporting GTA Online and probably still making a boatload of money off of that. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, you don't hear that getting all kinds of like crazy frustrations. Right. I mean, Everyone loves it. I mean, we've talked about how there are have been some like, you know, stress issues inside there, but then it, you know, it seemed like it was like with the writing student staff and stuff like that more specifically. But right. in this case, like, I mean... Call of Duty has been a game that hasn't really, you know, broke through the molds. I mean, again, I thought Blackout was great when it came out, but then it quickly faded when Apex came out and like all these other games came out that really, really outshined it. Because again, I mean, like the big thing with Call of Duty is they just haven't changed a graphic engine in 20,000 years and the (laughs) gameplay feels pretty much the same. Oh, yeah. I think partly... too is that you know video games especially for a company like this there's a lot of moving pieces it's high stress everyone's working really hard and people get lost in the rough you know the daily grind of getting things done it's just like i can see people getting really upset and just be like look just get this done so we can move on with something and again i think some of these people are a little entitled on what they're doing it's just like you got to know your place but then you got to have obviously good staff who know how to work with people and make things move along in a smooth fashion. And it doesn't always work that way. I mean, it can't always work that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after this article on Kotaku was posted, um, Treyarch studio heads, Dan Bunting and Mark Gordon sent an email to their staff that of course, Kotaku got their hands on and they, <laughs> they basically mentioned how, um, in this, they mentioned the story and how they, they said, quote, the first and most, important statement that we want to make to the team is that as manager of the studio, we take the well-being of every single individual working here very seriously. And uh, they went on to say that they have a vision for the future of the studio that includes significant improvements to work-life balance. And we plan to achieve that through better project planning, streamlined production processes, and rigorous decision-making timelines. It is also our intention to maintain our commitment to increase transparency. Um, and at the very, very bottom, they end it with, we appreciate the contributions made by all in italics, parts of the team in the name of the games we make. Um, sincerely, Dan and Mark. So, um, you know, they they recognized the issue, obviously, because they were ousted. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm hoping that they take the right steps to fix this problem. But I also hope that Activision, as a publisher who kind of oversees all of this, takes the right steps to also recognize this problem and allow them to do something about this right. and not make this stuff happen. Because I think a lot of it probably is due to that voice in the head from the Activision heads saying like, hey, we got to release this every two years or every year. That's got to come out. I'm like, you don't have to release a Call of Duty every year. And look what Assassin's Creed did. They took some time off and they came back and it's like it revitalized the franchise. Yeah. yeah. Um do that but activision <laughs> can't do that like, because they only have call of duty yeah that's as true. activision proper god dang that's just so bad yeah i didn't realize how bad that was until you, you mentioned this uh, a few podcasts ago and i was yeah. like dang like that is it yeah 
yeah, they're uh, they're they're struggling a little bit. But anyway, so yeah, anything else you want to say on this topic? No, I mean, what do you what do you guys think? Is uh, how how should the industry be ran? Should should Call of Duty break up their three pieces of the puzzle and sell them separately? And I mean, what do you think about I mean, how how do we solve this problem? Really? Yeah, it's a lot. yeah. Are there any any possible solutions to make it better? Is it the fault of Treyarch? Is it the fault of Volt, the company that put these people in place? Is it the fault of Activision? Does everybody have a hand in it? Um, give us some feedback. Let us know in the comments. Yeah. And uh, with that, that's going to wrap up our uh, segment this week. If you have any questions or want to contribute to next week's segment, please visit theinnergamer.net and drop us a line. Thank you all for tuning in and watching and or listening. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Looking forward to next week, let's talk about our not yet upcoming video game releases. We're going to talk about our upcoming free games of July. Yes, it's a new month, everybody. It's Independence Month. Uh, you can uh, celebrate Independence Day if you're in America. If you're not in America, it's okay. You can celebrate Independence Day there, too. Whatever Independence Day you got, Whatever. celebrate it. Yeah. All you got to do. Or celebrate the independence of, you know, maybe you just got a divorce or maybe you just had a baby <laughs> and you send them off to a babysitter for the weekend or something like that. I don't know. Something wow. that gives you independence. You, you are stretching, man. I know. Really, really far. Really far. But we got some free games. So PlayStation Plus players will get two games this month as they do every month. And uh, you're going to get Horizon Chase Turbo in PES 2019. Oh, awesome. Are you excited about PES 2019? Nope. Yeah, that is Pro Evolution Soccer 2019 from our favorite friends over at Konami who ousted Mr. Kojima himself. Yep, so another reason not to get that game. So it's probably not that great, but I mean, I think it gets some <laughs> respect, but sort of. I yeah. mean, it's got good ratings, so that's good. So, no thank you. Uh, Horizon Chase Turbo is a game that looks pretty interesting. came out in May of 2018. It's a tribute to classic arcade racers where you uh, go around and race cars on stuff, and it's couch multiplayer, and that's pretty cool. And it's 16-bit graphics that are reinvented and all that stuff, so that's exciting. Uh, then also on the Xbox, if you have an Xbox One or an Xbox One X, I have an Xbox One, so I might download some of these. Uh, well, no, I won't actually. What am I saying? Inside, I already have Inside, but Inside is coming out. Um, that will be the first one. And then in addition to that, you're going to get Big Crown Showdown. Man, who's hyped about Big Crown Showdown? Um, no, it's a four-player online or local multiplayer brawler in the vein of party games. And uh, it's I've never played it, but that sounds like fun. I mean, big crown showdown, you know, I mean, all the words are right, Brett. All the words are right. But I mean, do you want to buy it on Xbox for free or do you want to get on a switch where you can play it anywhere? Oh, um, Steam says that it's a game where you become foes as you compete in four player local and online multiplayer combat set in three wacky worlds full of medieval shenanigans, avoid perilous hazards and engage in frantic fights as you attempt to knock your opponents off 15 crazy courses in the ultimate royal battle. Ooh. It actually looks really good. We should buy this okay. on the Switch. I'll buy it right now. <clears throat> okay, cool. Thank you. Go go get it real fast. All right. Anyway, uh, that's that's our, our free games. But there's more. 
we have games coming out next week finally because E3 is over and we actually have games coming out on July 4th on the day of Independence Day, which is also the day that Stranger Things 3 comes out. What? The new season. What? Hell yeah. Dude, it's going to be badass. I guess. The game also comes out. And uh, Stranger Things 3, the game comes out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. This is the official companion game to season three of the hit original series. You will play through different events from the series, uncovering never-before-seen quests, character interactions, and secrets. It's an adventure game that blends a distinctively retro art style with modern gameplay mechanics. Just like in the show, teamwork is at the heart of the game. Fans can team up with up to two players, local co-op, to explore the world of Hawkins, solve puzzles, and battle the emerging evils of the Upside Down in as one as 12 beloved characters from the show. Who would you play as? Uh, I'm not going to play this game. Sorry. Well, you suck. So it sucks for you. <laughs> it just didn't look like it's cool. That there's a game for it, and I was enticed, but after seeing it, it just it's not a game I want to play. Okay. Normally, I'd say I want to play a 16-bit game looking game, but this one I just, just didn't didn't capture me. Well, another game that will not capture you. Actually, I think it will. July 5th, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Sea of Solitude. Oh. This takes you on a personal journey of a young woman's loneliness. Set sail across a beautiful world where nothing is quite what it seems. Meet fantastical creatures and monsters. Learn their stories and solve challenges. Explore the flooded city, either by boat, on foot, or by swimming swimming through water itself. Dare to look what lies beneath the surface in a haunting struggle of darkness and light and discover what it truly means to be a human so I thought this game was canceled because I thought it'd be out by this by this point, know, and right? I'm so happy that's actually releasing. Because, whew, man, I was getting worried because it came. It, they they announced it last E3, and it looked really good. So it's kind of had kind of has that uh, Sea of Thieves look in a way. Yes, yeah, kinda, it's got that that shading stuff that yeah, I like a, a lot. More, yeah, a little more shading stuff. Um. You know what came out last week that cell, I forgot about? Cell shading. cell shading. That's it. You know what came out last week I forgot about? What, what came out last Super week? Super Mario Maker 2. <gasps> what? Yep. Are you going to get it? Uh, Yep. came out two days ago. You already bought it, it, didn't you? I haven't bought it yet. Oh, I okay. forgot. So do you know you can't play online? Via yeah. co-op? Why would you do that? They, they want to make you play together. Of course. Yeah. That's what I want too. But you should have the option. No, Options, man. man. Options. Yeah, but you didn't buy a Nintendo Switch online. I do have it. Oh, you said you weren't going to buy it. Yeah, so. I ended up getting it. You okay. convinced me, remember? Yeah. You don't remember. Do you use it? No. Exactly. <laughs> I just use it for to get the cloud saves. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they they got my money, damn it. They took my money. Yeah, I mean, it was cheap, so might as well. 20 bucks, not bad. Uh, anyway, that's going to wrap our show this week. Be sure and check us out next Tuesday. For more from, of course, your favorite video game podcast, visit theinnergamer.net for our latest episodes, videos, social channels, and all that goodness. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend. And if you want to support our show, you can donate on our website at theinnergamer.net. All donations go towards making the podcast, videos, and events even better. Better! You can also join in on the dis- our conversation on our Discord channel, so check out the show notes for that link. My name's Austin Morales. My name's Barry Noski. And you listen to the Intergamer Podcast, y'all. The Intergamer. We'll catch y'all next week. Brett, don't you dare say another word. Words. <laughs> Bye, Felicia.
Did you know they're making a Tetris Royale for mobile phones? And I don't know how that's different than <laughs> Tetris one, yeah. 99, but it is. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that was loud. <laughs> I, can't, I can't keep doing this with you, Brett. I'm going to have to leave. Don't you dare do that again. If you're thinking about it, don't use the ball in your chat. I hate for you to just... Fall asleep while we're podcasting. What? Yeah, you. What? Don't fall asleep while we're podcasting. What? What? You're going to waste all your energy going, yay! I know, right?